0: Um, So, we're on this uh, journey through Matthew 8 for the last couple of weeks and we're going to be continuing for the next couple of weeks as well. Um, Just a a quick kind of a a recap around where we've come from. The first week we were looking at that Jesus was willing, that was where, where Kim was preaching that and these are all available on the podcast so if you want to catch up if you've missed any of them. And then last week we were talking about fate and we were talking about how it doesn't have to be huge. But the scripture talks about it can just be like a mustard seed. It doesn't have to be big at all. It can just be a small little bit of faith. But that if we have that faith, it's what we have that faith in. And, and we all have faith. We all have faith in something. But if we put it into God, it makes all the difference. And if we put that faith into the right person, it can change our world. And if we put that faith into the right person, it can change someone else's world. Because we were talking about that centurion who went for prayer for someone else. It wasn't even for himself. And I want to say that that the more, and I have talked about this during the weekend, that how much impact we can have. When we talk about praying for other people, and then, I don't know about you, but I I get tired praying for other people when I don't see anything happening. I get fed up. I get bored. You know what I mean? It's like, this is a waste of time. But like, yeah, I have seen God move in people that I prayed for years ago. And then something happens, and and it's not true us at all. There's someone who comes to this church who was prayed for nearly 30 years ago by a couple that we know and that we haven't even spoke to in years and years and years and we met them only a few weeks ago. But they had been praying for this person years and years ago. And it took nearly 30 years. But they have come around and come, come to God. So it doesn't go to waste. Whatever you're asking God about, he doesn't forget. He's not like us. You ask me to pray, and tomorrow I've forgotten you asked me. Do you know that kind of way? Just being honest. But he doesn't forget when you pray. So when you have somebody in your heart, or you have something that you care about, when you go to him, it's still there. It's on the table. You might even forget to keep asking. But he hasn't forgot to ask. And he comes through. So I want to pray for a second, then we'll get into this. Um, Father, I pray that whatever is spoken in this next number of minutes. That it's from you. That it's wisdom from you. That it's insight from you. That it's clarity from you. That it's anointed by you. Lord, i never forget that I get to do this. That this is a privilege, not a job. Not a chore. And I pray that that people's hearts in this room are open to hear from you and that you speak directly into them. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And and I want to say I believe God has a message for for people here today. I believe he has something he wants to say to you that will encourage you. I believe he has something he wants to say to you that might even change how you think about him and about this world. And I want to read from Matthew, continuing on. If you have your Bible, you want to get it out, it's on Matthew 8. And I'm going to read three verses, 14 to 17. And it says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. And when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a ward, and he healed all the sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities, and he carried our diseases. a um, couple of verses, but a ton of stuff in them. Absolutely tons of stuff in it. And it's like, and, and I've heard people do whole times just on one of them verses, never mind squeezing three in. And I'm not as good as that, so you're getting the whole lot bunched in together. But um, I want to start with the last bit about that. true that he was fulfilling prophecy that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. And I want to say, most times we ask God to take away stuff. We ask God to change things. We ask God, and An awful lot of times, I think, one, we don't believe he'll do it. We hope beyond hope he might do it. But we don't really believe he will. Oh, we're struggling with believing he will. But even worse, I think we struggle that we believe he wants to. And that scripture smashes that. Because it says he took up our infirmities. And he carried our diseases. It's not a question of whether he wants to or whether he will or whether he won't. He already has. The big thing is about whether we give them to him or not, or whether we hold on to them. And the fourth verse of that says that when Jesus came into Peter's house, and here's the thing, Jesus was invited in. Somebody invited Jesus. Peter must have said, come back to the gaff, Matt's cooking dinner. Okay, he was invited in. Now here's the thing, when he got there, there was no dinner because Matt was in bed sick. And that obviously wasn't around. And if he was, he wasn't cooking. But because Jesus was invited into the situation, he was able to do something about it. And I was thinking there's loads of other places in the scriptures, loads, where it talks about Jesus was invited in. And I looked up just a few of them in one book, book, in the book of Luke, right? The book of Luke, not the book of Luke. But anyway... The book of Luke, in Luke 5, there was a guy called Levi, a tax collector, who invited Jesus in. And it changed his life, the encounter with Jesus. In Luke 7, the centurion's house, the sixth seventh, we read about that last week out of Matthew. He went, Jesus was already in the house, and he was inviting him into the situation. Jesus invited himself and said, I'll go to your house. But your man said, you don't need to come to me, I'm just inviting your power into the situation. But he invited him in. He went to a mass. He was in a Pharisee's house. He was invited into a Pharisee's house for dinner. And they say, mostly people would say it was Mary Magdalene, there was a woman who was an adulteress or a sinner or a prostitute, whatever would you want to put on it. And she washed his feet with her tears. And she dried his feet with her hair. And then she poured perfume all over his feet. And she is remembered Forever. But because the Pharisee invited Jesus in, even though I think the Pharisee was really only inviting him in to try and catch him out, other people's lives were impacted. And not only people in that room, but I know for a fact that story has impacted thousands of people since then in reading it in the scriptures. Inviting Jesus into places and into situations can change things. Jairus was a synagogue ruler whose daughter was dead. He asked Jesus to his home where his daughter was laying. And he brought her back to life. In Luke 9, it talks about Jesus going and meeting Mary and Martha. And Martha opened up her home to Jesus. He was invited in. Now, Martha gets a raw deal later on. She gets slagged off because she was too busy walking. And Mary was sitting down doing nothing. And that whole story, that's a different story. But Martha was the one who opened up her home to Jesus. Do you know where that ended up? Lazarus being raised from the dead, her brother. I wonder if she hadn't have invited him in in the first place. Would Lazarus have ended up being raised from the dead? Or would Lazarus have been Jesus' friend? Or would Mary and Martha have become his friends if they hadn't have invited him in? There was a prominent Pharisee in Luke 14. And Jesus healed man Again, he was invited in for dinner. And while he was there, Jesus healed the man. And that was the place where he taught people not to be coming in and looking for the fancy chair up the front where everyone sees you and you look important. He said, no, don't go for the important stuff. Go for the low stuff and then people will raise you up to the important because the worst thing that can happen is you go and get the important chair and then someone comes up and says, sorry, you shouldn't be sitting there, get out. And you get embarrassed and all the rest of it. Then there was Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He was the guy who climbed up the tree to see Jesus. He came down, he invited Jesus for dinner, invited him into his house. And he went, sorry, Jesus invited himself. He said, today I want to have dinner in your house. But your man said, yeah, come on, brilliant. Come. And when he was there, he turned everything around. It changed his life forever. He said he'd give money back to the poor, he'd give money back to people he cheated. He literally changed everything. Because he had Jesus in it. In Luke 24, there was two guys on the road to Emmaus. This was after the resurrection. And they're walking along and they meet Jesus. And he's walking with them and he's chatting to them. But they don't know who he is. And then, when they get to the place where they're going to stay, he goes to leave. But they invited him to stay with them. And he did. And they had dinner. And when they had dinner, they recognized him. Because he'd done thanks over the field. And they recognized who he was. And you know what was changing their life that night? Their despondency was broken in an instant. Their loss was cured in an instant. Because the whole way along the road they were telling them, there was this man and we thought he was the one. But he's dead. And then the last one I want to say is in John 2. And it's the story of the wedding at Cana. And I love this line in the scripture. It says, because Jesus and his disciples were also buried. Jesus and his disciples were also invited. And I was thinking, someone brought in John Edwards' book this morning, I don't know who it was, and left them on the table down there. Um, but I remember the day that we were organizing John's wedding, John and Trisha's wedding, and they were doing up the invitations. And that was the scripture that was put on the invitations. Jesus was invited too. And it was the most spectacular presence of God in that wedding I've ever experienced. Because Jesus was invited. And the bit I need to say to you, I think, is, do you need a miracle in your life? Then invite Jesus in. Invite Jesus in. Are you the person who's there looking at him going by? Like Zacchaeus? Because he might well be saying to you, I want to come into your place. But he's not going to come and kick the door down. He's not going to come and push his way in. He's going to wait until you invite him in. The reality of it is he has made the way of salvation. He's done all of that work. He's taken up our infirmities. He's broken our diseases. He's set people free. But if we don't invite him in into our situations, then we don't get them benefits. They pass us by. So if you need a miracle, bring him over for dinner. Say, Jesus, come on in. I'll buy the chips. Let's sit down. Have a chat about this. He's in the miracle of working business. Over and over and over again. But he gets invited into the situation. He won't push. He just won't. He's not that kind. The second thing that struck me was that he touched her hand. And she was healed. He just touched her. And there went else. Touched her hand and spoke a word. And we looked... Earlier on, a couple of weeks ago, about him touching the leper. He stepped out of the boat and he touched the leper. He shouldn't have touched the leper because the leper represented death, And it made him unclean and all that kind of stuff. And he was never going to get caught up in the religiosity of what his day was if it meant helping somebody else. Talked last week about him curing people on the Sabbath when he shouldn't have been doing it. He stepped out all the time Jesus was willing to step out of what we the boxes we put him into and go, no, you need help, I'll go and do that. People that say Jesus doesn't operate, God doesn't do things outside the church. He's not going to be in, in whatever the place. He's not going to be in a circus tent in the middle of town, Okay? But he is. The boxes that we think God operates in and walks in are boxes that we made. No one's he made. He made the whole earth. He just spoke a word and this planet came into existence. The whole planet. And, 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 and I do think about this myself because I do hit myself over the head and go, Brian, you're stupid because how many times I go and ask God about that and go, oh, that's a bit big. I don't know if it, like, it's probably not going to pull that one off. Do you that kind of way? I'm sitting on something at the minute around this building and, and there's another building that's becoming vacant across the road. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, that's a nice building. Now we're still chasing the one up in the village. I still go for that. But I'm looking and there's a tar coming into the back of my head. I oh, never get that. That's a bit big. And then I go, but God made the universe. think it's too big for him to give us a building. think it's too big for him to give us the favor and get that. No. Of course it's not. Common sense even tells me that. Never mind fate. If I believe this God is the God who I say he is, he created this world. He created the bricks that these things were made with. He gave the people who built it the skills to build it. He can give you and me whatever we need to have. By a word. He can bring a healing by a word. Not by some big rigmarole. We don't have to do a fancy dance up and down the front. Scream hallelujah, shouting in tongues. And and then everybody gets healed. A word, simple word. He walked in, touched her and said, get up. Done, job done. No messing around. He healed a blind man. There was a dead child being carried in a coffin. He touched the coffin. She came back to life. He stood outside the tomb where Lazarus was and said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come forth. A dead man got up and walked. He touched the blind man's eyes. He said a word, and the centurion's servant was healed in a different town. What's going on in your life right now that you need him to speak a word into? What's going on in your life that you need him to touch? Because that's what he does. That's what he wants to do. He touched her hand and she was healed. The next thing was the impact that he had. Because the minute she was healed, she got up and served him. She got up and served him. And I was thinking, I think it was last year sometime, Shane preached here one morning on that scripture. And he preached about the first thing that Peter's mother did when she got up was serve. And he challenged us to serve. And Jesus has challenged us to serve. In John 13, it's the story of the, the night when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He took the place of the lowest slave in the house, And he got a towel, wrapped around himself, and he washed all their smelly feet. And they would have been smelly. Imagine 12 big farmers walking into the room without their wellies, and you're washing their feet. See that face? That's a good face, right? Exactly, yeah? But he did it. And at the end of it, he said to them, now you go and do the same. You don't look happy about that either. No. I wouldn't have been happy about it, I have to be honest with you. But what was he demonstrating? He was like, there's nothing that's below us. If there's nothing below Jesus, how could there be something that's below you or me? How could there be anything that we're too good for? Or that we're not good enough for? Because it's that mad thing in the middle where we think we're either too good for something or we're not good enough for it. Or that's not what I'm called for. That's their thing. Here's the bit. We're all called to love. and We're all called to serve. Every one of us. There's no exceptions. And it's not about saving so that we get like, into heaven. Because Jesus did that job. That's over. But it is about saving because we're already going to heaven. When Peter had denied Jesus, the story of the crucifixion, I'm sure you all know it. We learned it in school if you don't remember it from church even. But he denied him three times. And when Jesus met Peter later on, and they call it where Peter was reinstated. This is the bit that they call that. And it's in John 21. But Jesus said three things to Peter. He said, Feed my lambs. And then he said, Feed my sheep. And then he said, Take care of my sheep. And they were three calls to serve the people of God and the people of the world. And that same call goes out to you. And it goes out to me. It's like, I have given you this great gift of salvation. I've given you this gift of a family in the world. I've given you the gift of being part of my body. I've given you the gift of being anointed and walking in my favor and having me carry your diseases, having me carry your troubles. Do all of that. Now just go and save. And be part of that blessing into someone else's life. Because you know, When I say he has carried us and he has healed us and he has encouraged us and he has strengthened us and he has done all them things in our life, lots of times he did all of them through other people. He's had other people come alongside of us and encourage us. He's had other people come alongside of us and strengthen us. He's had other people come alongside of us and go, we can help with that. We can serve. And because of that, we were able to then do that for other people this is made to go around we're called to go and do exactly what peter's mother did and you might be lying in a bed with a fever and not be able to get up because you're so sick and then you get this miracle and suddenly the fever is gone but i want to tell you today that you get an opportunity to meet jesus and he changes your life he has done the exact same thing Even in the spiritual realm, he has taken that sickness away and he has set you free to go and serve and to go and do. And that's not even, I'm not even talking about doing stuff here. I'm talking about in your world, wherever it is you live, you walk, you go to school, you you, you hang out with people, whatever community you're in, you have an opportunity to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Just like I have. So whenever I'm saying you, I'm talking to me too. I'm not... Standing up here going, I have all my stuff together and you need to get yours together. That's, I'm behind the line. We, we all need to do this. But I think God is calling us to save. And I think if you don't, you are missing out on an opportunity for a blessing. You're missing out on an opportunity for to get to heaven someday and for God to go. Wasn't that deadly, getting to do that? There is lots of really neat things happen. Jordan said this was an amazing week on Pulse, okay? He's an honest looking face. Are we going to believe him? Okay. Did you see God do amazing things on Pulse? How did you manage to see God do them? Because you were there. Okay? He's too old to be a camper. He was there to serve. Are you with me? But because he was there to serve, he got to see amazing things happen in people's lives, including his own. He figured out how you lose your voice, figured out how to come back knackered and hungry. He got all of these things, but you also got blessed, true? When you take your eyes off yourself and put them on the world all around you and see all the needs around you, and you start involving yourself in them needs and becoming the answer to problems instead of being part of the problem... Your whole life changes, and when other things happen for other people, you get more excited about that stuff happening for them than you do about stuff happening for yourself. And you can see where there's a scripture there that says it's more blessed to give than to receive. I could never get that one because I was always looking for it to be on the receiving end until I learned to give. And then I realized how true that was. And that's about giving your time, giving your love, giving your energy, giving your money, giving whatever it is you have to save the rest of humanity. And not just to save the church, but to save humanity. To save the people of Crumlin. To save the people of your neighborhood if you don't live in Crumlin. We get to do that. We don't have to do it. Because if you don't do it, God will find someone else who will. If I don't do this, if tomorrow I wake up and I go, I'm out there. He'll replace me because there's other people he can call on. He just lets me do this. We get this amazing opportunity to serve. just Because like, Peter's Mac could have got up and gone, Oh, that's great. I'm glad I'm feeling better. Who's making dinner? I'm so glad I'm in church. This is amazing. Who does everything? Because I don't want to have to do it. Someone should clean our neighborhood up, shouldn't they? Someone should take all the weeds up. Someone should do this. Someone should do that. Someone. Maybe that someone is supposed to be you. Maybe that someone is. That's a really encouraging bit, isn't it? Woo! Everyone's going, yeah, bring it on. Woo-hoo! 424. News spread. And they brought to him all who were ill and demon-possessed. And he healed them. In Luke 4.40, they brought him and he healed. In Matthew 17, 14 to 18 a man's son who had seizures, they had tried everything, including prayer. He'd even asked his disciples to help, and his disciples couldn't help. Jesus had loads of people brought to him who were demon-possessed. And demons are not something we talk about very often in church. Well here's the back history of it very quickly. A tour of the host of heavens, which was the angels, were thrown out when the devil, when Satan rebelled against God. So there's a toward of the dev- the the angels of heaven became what they now call demons. And they're wandering the earth, and this is not to try and scare you or frighten you or anything else. But we have to realise we're in a battle. And there is real spiritual forces out there. And like, how many times have you heard people say, I don't know why I did that. Something bad. Or how many times have you seen something really evil happen on the the telly or something, and you go, how could people do that? How could someone be that bad that they could do that? Because there's demonic forces at work in this world. There are spiritual powers at work. There's scriptures that talk about that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against the powers. And the principalities and rulers in this world. Now here's the good news: we're on the winning side. Jesus has already met them, yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're not out there and active and trying to cause trouble and cause mayhem. Our son is 35 years old. He was 35 yesterday, and he was seven. He started having what we would now call panic attacks. We didn't know what was happening. We were only after getting saved. Sorry, he was even younger. Cause he was five, six, about six. We went very long saved. We were in this kind of la-la land with Jesus. Everything was like, oh, praise the Lord. Didn't matter what happened. The house fell down. Praise the Lord. It's lovely. Great. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everything is like. You know when you get into the like, honeymoon thing, you know, that kind of way? Everything is like, praise the Lord. That's great. You have no money in the bank. Praise the Lord. Should we have a chance of fate. i I'm hungry. I'm, sure I'm fasting. Praise the Lord. Right, Whatever. It's like, whatever, you think of it, whatever it is, it was praise the Lord. Like, we was just in this... It was a lovely place to be, actually. I wish I was still living there. but, but um, And I often looked back on this for years. I looked back on this and thought, how did that happen? But well, I believe the devil had a go at us through Chiron because he couldn't get at us because we were that, like, duh, praise the Lord. He was hammering us. There was all kinds of mad things happening in our life, but we were just going around going, praise the Lord. We didn't think any difference, right? Because someone had told us, when you give your life to Jesus, expect trouble. So we got trouble and we went, well, it's a ghost. Price the lot. Here it comes. Right? So, we don't tend to do that. We now give your life to Jesus, everything will be lovely. It's not. You're in a war. And you're on the right side now. But you have a lot of things out there that don't, aren't happy about you being on the right side. They want to get you out. So anyways, sorry, long story short. Kieran wasn't well for, for several weeks. Um, and he couldn't sleep at night. And he went from being a very calm, happy-go-lucky child, not a bother on him, to have him to sleep in our room, sleep in our bed. Um, we were living in Anne's mom's at the time. It was like, it was a really, really bad time. And we were out with them. We didn't know what to do with them. And we were on the verge of going to a psychiatrist with them. And we went to a full gospel businessmen's dinner up in the West County Hotel. It was a Christian dinner thing. And we were sitting in a car outside. There we were Paddy and Pauline Keegan at the end of the night. A couple who had led us to the Lord. And we were telling them, they had a son the same age, the same name. And uh, we were talking about the kids, and we told them what was happening with Kieran, And they said, um, just go home and pray with him, Brian. And we were like, yeah, right, but we're going to the doctor tomorrow. And they were going, no, just go home and pray with him. Like, have you prayed with him? And I was gone. we were barely in the door. We didn't even know what prayer was, never mind how to. So anyways, uh, we left them, and we went home, and uh, as I said, we were living in Anne's mam's. We all slept in the parlour, the front room, and her mam was in the sitting room watching telly. And uh, we went into the house, and I said, I'm going to go in and pray with him. And Anne was going in to put the kettle on, have a cup of tea with a am And uh, anyway, I went in, I sat on the edge of the bed, and this is true, you can believe it or believe it or not. I sat on the edge of the bed, never said a word out loud. And all I said was, God, God, will you take the fear away? Because he was terrified. He was genuinely terrified. And we went. I went inside, and Anne said to me, did you do it? And I went, yeah. And she said, well, and I went, I don't know. <laughs> like I said something in my head. I don't know if anything's going to change or whatever. So anyway, um, so I went to bed anyway. And I'm even then, I wasn't the first one up in the morning. Most mornings, Anne was. But uh, she was up, and the kids were up. And whatever happened anyway, I got to have a lawyer in for an extra 10 minutes or whatever. But when Anne came in anyway, and she called me, and she said, Brian, I said, yeah, she said, Kiran, tell your dad what you said, what you told me. And he said, I'm not afraid anymore. This is true. The first words when he woke up, he said to Anne, I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> See, I believe that Kieran was being oppressed by a demon. That he was being attacked. That we were being attacked through our child. And I didn't even know it. I didn't understand it. And I still, I'm not going to pretend I understand it now. I understand a lot better what the war I'm in is. But this stuff, we think it's fables and we think it's like not real. And it's lovely to read the really nice stuff in the scriptures and go, Oh, isn't that great God heals and he blesses and all that? And he does. But the Bible never hides the fact that there is a dark side to this world. And that there are demonic forces. And they are out to get us. But that the blood of Jesus is stronger than all of them. And that the angels of heaven outnumber the demons two to one. Just in case you want to know who's on your side. Okay? That God, in his omnipotent power, threw them out of heaven. And that if we go to him... Every time you see talk about demon possession in the scripture, it's they brought them to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Set them free. They invited Jesus into the situation. This man brought his son, and the son was throwing himself into a fire. That's what we call today self harming And suicide. And I'm not saying that there isn't illnesses that people suffer from. I'm not saying that. But I'm also saying we're calling a lot of stuff illnesses that's spiritual in, in essence. And that we need to look at stuff like that from all sides, not just from one side. And I've been in the places where they'd go, you don't go to a doctor, you just pray. That's rubbish. But I've also been in the places where they go, you don't pray, you just go to the doctor. And I want to say that's rubbish too. Because all doctors can ever do is treat and practice medicine. It's our God that heals. It's our God that heals. And it's our God that sets people free. And it's our God that has that power. And that power is available to you and to me. That same power. He fulfilled the prophecy. He took up our infirmities and he carried our diseases. It's done. What we need to do is start unwrapping the present and living in it. Amen. So, Lord, there you go. That's what I think you wanted me to say, God. So, Father, I pray that that whoever's in this room, in whatever situation they are in, whether it's for them or a loved one, whether it's for a relationship thing or a, a health thing or a financial thing or a housing thing if there is a need I know the thing to do is invite Jesus in so right now I don't even know where you're at with God whether you believe in this Jesus I'm talking about whether you have a relationship with him or whether you don't but I want to encourage you right now in this second to invite him into your life invite him into your world. And I promise you, he will change things. He will make things better. He won't always make it easy, but he will make it better. He will strengthen you and encourage you and heal you and set you free. But you have to invite him in. Be a martyr and open your home up to him. Open the home of your heart and your head. Open your physical home up. Let him in. And if you don't know how to do that, here's how you do it. Just go, Jesus, I invite you in right now. Say it in your head, say it in your heart. Jesus, I invite you in right You are welcome in my life. And I want to live my life with you in charge of it. So Father, I pray your blessing over your people in this room. I pray that you would be with them every single day this week and that whatever situation they may face, they will know the hand of Almighty God in it. They will know your favor. They will know your strength. They will know your wisdom. And Lord, they pray they will walk in your anointing as children of the living God in every situation, in every step they take. And I ask you in Jesus' name.